0: Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, like we just heard in the video, yes, the blood of Jesus is sufficient for all of us. Help us to whenever we draw from the past, whatever it is, the situation, the sins, the pains and the sufferings, Lord, whatever it was or it is, That we would not live there, but that we would keep our eyes fixed on Christ. That we keep looking for the love of Jesus shown to us in the cross. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for loving us and caring for us. And thank you, Lord, for the moms out there and for everyone who reflects and models your truth to those around them. That your love truly works. Dear God, be with us tonight and open our hearts and our minds to your word. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. What a powerful and beautiful message we just watched to all the moms out there in those videos. For me, a mother myself, the first video we watched, Happy Mother's and Son's Day. He was very cute. <laughs> and it was very funny to see us, Mabas, being portrayed as wanting to be just like our children, when the truth is quite the opposite. <laughs> I remember Isabella, my daughter, when she was younger. The truth is that she looked like a little version of me. In all her actions, words, facial expressions, like a sponge soaking up everything around her. Oh, it came before huh? Well, in fact, as you can see, (laughs) she used to go to my wardrobe and try everything on. In the first picture, she's in front of my wardrobe. The shoes are already on the floor, and she's getting ready to attack. And the second one, she's actually wearing my shirt and my shoes. (laughs) But the reality is that children not only imitate their moms, but they also imitate everyone around them. If you see the next slide, Isabella is wearing Sam's, my husband, headphones and hat. It's so cute, isn't it? <laughs> but it is also such an innocent dependence on others that not only humbles me as a mother, but also frightens me to think how great is our responsibility as parents and caregivers to model for our children. In the second video we watched, what stayed with me the most again the responsibility my responsibility as a mother and as a follower of christ to model to our kids as to reflect god's love his truth to our children and the responsibility our responsibility as christians is more than just reflecting god just to our children it is to reflect god and his love to everyone around us in fact Apostle Paul dedicates a full chapter of his letter to the Church of Corinth to love. The well-known chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians falls in the middle of Paul's discussion of the use of spiritual gifts during worship. As love and its qualities are also originated from the Holy Spirit and it is the basis of any other gift. It is a gracious gift that comes from the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, given by God's love for us through Christ. 1 John four nineteen reads, We love because He first loved us. And as Paul implies, love summarizes the characteristic of the life of a Christian amongst its community, a life lived in love for God and for others that produces fruits concerning and respecting others a life lived in love, that using Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, that is the most excellent way. In fact, Paul chose to use the Greek word agape for love in the context of a Christ-like love. Paul could have chosen the passion of love, meaning of eros, which is love as well, or he could have used phileo, which conveys a friendly sentiment or natural feeling of personal affection. But he didn't. He chose agape. Agape means more than just a feeling. Rather, it's a lifestyle. And for us Christians, it's a lifestyle filled with actions that are defined by the cross. It expresses the notion of care and respect for others to be used in the everyday life of a believer that experience God's gracious love in Christ. Theologian Joseph Fitzmaier writes, Agape is something in that experience, the basic element of Christian experience, that transcends the endowments coming from the Spirit. And so, it is the highest of divine gifts. It cannot simply be considered a human virtue, and it is in no sense the product of human effort or achievement. So, just as kids reflect their parents, we as Christians, children of God, we are to reflect God and His love, His revelation in Jesus' loving nature that is in us. And that is to everyone around us. But I wonder, are we in fact reflecting that? I myself was raised to model my family's values, which are much in line to what the Word teaches us. I was sent to the best schools in Brazil. I went to study in the U.S., worked in the executive world. I was making my way to the stars. Like most school graduation themes, such as the one we see in the picture there, Reach for the Stars. Don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong in wanting to do the best we can in in everything we do in life, right? However... We need to identify what is really in our hearts and ask ourselves, what are our priorities? What are our values and attributes based on? Should this picture read "Reach for Jesus instead? When we are kids, we reflect our parents' values. But when we grow up, we are in great risk to take the world's values. But what about God's values and attributes? We know that as Christians we should reflect God, right? Reflect his love, his character. But how are we able to do that? The reading of today is 2 Corinthians 3:12-18 and Isabella will be reading for us. Thank you Isabella. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end what was passing away, but their minds were made dull, for, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ it is taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces behold the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Thank you. Before we go deeper in these verses, let's explore a little bit of the context of this letter. Paul's letter to the church of Corinth revealed to us the struggles that this church was facing when life in the world is confronted with the inbreaking of God's kingdom inaugurated by Jesus, that is, started by Jesus. The city of Corinth was a prosperous Greek urban city that became an important financial and trade center as it was located between two ports— This city also hosted a type of Olympic game that attracted a lot of people every year. In the social aspect, the Corinthians were very proud of their culture and economic status. They focused on patronage, money, power, materialism, and social status. And those things influenced the competitiveness and personal boasting of the church members. Within this background, the Church of Corinth found themselves divided in many ways, such as in relation to apostolic loyalty (loyalty to Paul), self-edification, self-boasting, social-economic status, and worship expression. Another aspect that influenced the church's lifestyle was the notion of Christian freedom. This freedom was interpreted by many in that church as a free license to a range of immoral, unethical behavior, misconstrued values and attitudes. Can you think of any city and church that might look like that today? Every time I read these letters, I realize that the city of Corinth's background is very similar to our current world, our current living expectations and values. And the struggles that that church was facing, is very, they are very similar to the struggles that the Western church face today. Well, in this chapter in particular, chapter 3, Paul is defending his own apostolic ministry, while at the same time he's revealing to us what a true ministry is, and how a believer in Christ, how we and our church community should be characterized so, Paul compares himself to Moses' ministry, not only to validate his apostolic call as a minister of the new covenant, but also to point out the differences between the covenant under Moses' mediation and the new one found in Christ. Before we move on, it's important to point out that the biblical word covenant is not referring to a contractual agreement between equal partners, like the English word covenant entails. But it refers to a promissory relationship established and based on God's grace. And it calls Israel and us, God's people, for obedience and service. Well, Paul argues that while the old covenant was written in tablets of stone, a ministry that brought condemnation and death, the new covenant is open to all as is written with the spirit of the living God on human hearts a ministry that produces righteousness and life. While the old brought in in the age of the law, the new one, the Spirit, indwells God's people. In Jeremiah 31, we read, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I'll be their God and they will be my people. Within this background, we can retrieve four main points addressed by Paul in this passage. Point number one, the veil is taken away whenever anyone turns to the Lord. In the first four verses we read, Paul is talking metaphorically about a veil. He's actually alluding to Moses' encounter with God at Mount Sinai in Exodus 34 where Moses' face was radiant with God's glory. Yet Moses covered it, covered it with a veil preventing the people of Israel to continue to see it. Paul implies that this veil works like a barrier, a spiritual barrier that prevented Israel and now all those who did not respond to the gospel of Christ to fully experience God's glory, that is, his radiant and divine manifestation. And, borrowing Peter Christophides' words during the series Glory, the word glory is the very presence of God. Then, Paul gives us the great news that this barrier, this veil can now be removed. And the way it can be removed is through Christ. With the new covenant, we can have an open-faced relationship with God. Isn't that just amazing? However, this only happens when someone turns to the Lord Jesus Christ. The expression, turn to the Lord in the Old Testament, refers to Israel's return in repentance to Yahweh, to God. In the New Testament, turning is translated from the Greek verb epistrepho, which also carries this theological meaning of returning in repentance to God. However, it also includes the meaning of conversion. Conversion in the act of faith in Jesus Christ. Acts 11.21, for instance, tells us that a great number of people who believed turned to the Lord And as some translations read, those who believe were converted to the Lord. However, turning to our Lord Jesus Christ and through him to God, it does not mean a 45 degree turn. It's not just looking sideways. Or it's perhaps just saying, I know he's there, but I'm busy right now with my own things. I will turn around later. No, it is a complete 180-degree turn that in fact represents a total and complete surrender of ourselves to God in faith in Christ. It is when someone truly believes. It is when someone commits their life entirely to Christ. It is becoming one with Him. It is when we turn away from our old lives and from anything else to serve only God. For instance... Paul's thanksgiving for the faith of the church of Thessalonica reads. You became a model to all believers. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What a beautiful thing to hear, isn't it? I truly pray that we are all able to hear that. Amen. Going back to 2 Corinthians 3. Paul is telling us, therefore that it's only in true conversion to faith in Christ that the barrier that existed between people and God is removed. And it's only then that our minds and hearts are unhardened. And it's only then that we are allowed to hear, to understand, and to respond to the gospel. Therefore, those who turn to the Lord Jesus Christ are those who encounter God. Without Christ, one can have only the old covenant, seeing only with the covert measure of God. But those who turn to Christ see the glory of God that comes from his righteousness. And that brings our second point. Beholding the glory of God. In verse 18, the use of the Greek verb, and excuse my pronunciation, kat- katoptrizomai which NIV has its contemplate, means actually to behold in a mirror. The use of this word here implies that the glory of the Lord is observed as when we're looking intensively into a mirror, when we fix our eyes at it, at the image of Christ. Beholding in a mirror is referring to seeing Christ himself. We heard already that when we turn to our Lord Jesus, we can have a relationship with Him. Now, this open-faced relationship with Christ allows us to gaze constantly at God's glory that is found in Christ. And the amazing characteristic of a believer who is beholding the glory of God is that they can also become like a mirror for others. A mirror that reflects God's own character, His own love. And that's why it's so important for us to be wary that we do not let anything in our lives, not work, not friends, not even service, anything to become in a place of beholding God's glory. Beholding in a mirror the glory of God is a place of total reliance in God, a place where our eyes are kept on Him constantly. In fact, it's a constant daily of Work of my part not to let the business of my life to get in the way of my concentration in God. In the time I spend reading his word, praying in my time of beholding his glory. A very hard effort, I may add. But without beholding his glory, without being in his presence, how can I, a sinful, broken person, be a loving mother, a loving wife, a loving sister, and especially be here today speaking his word to you all? It's just impossible. (laughs) Thus, Paul tells us that those who turn to Christ have their face and hearts unveiled, are beholding the glory of God in the mirror, in the image of Christ, and are those who are being transformed into that same image. And that brings our third point being transformed into into the Lord's image with ever-increasing glory. Here, the Greek word used for image or likeness, akon, is the same Greek word used to translate the Hebrew term for image in Genesis 127 that reads, So God created mankind in his own image. However, that image was distorted through our human sinful nature. Yet, God made a way for us through his Son, Jesus Christ. He made a way for us who in conversion to faith in Christ, we can behold his glory, we can be in his presence, and therefore, we can be transformed into the same divine image that is shared in Christ. Paul tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians 4 that we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus, who is the image of God. Verse 6 reads, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And Jesus Christ is the perfect revelation of the image of God. Colossians 1 reads, The Son is the image of the invisible God. Therefore, as we're being exposed to God's glory in the face of Christ, we are being transformed into Christ's image and through him into the glorious image of God. However, being transformed into God's image, it does not say that we're going to become gods, no. But that we are being transformed into God's image as we were originally intended in creation, without sin. Our old self is no longer here because we turn away from it. We are now turned towards Christ. We are a new creation that has the life of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. Colossians 3.10 reads, The new self is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And this transformation into a new creation is from glory to glory. It is an ongoing, progressive, inward transformation of mind, heart, and character of being made perfect in Christ. It is in response to one's constant encounter with the glorious presence of God. Now in the spirit, through Christ's death, and one day face to face, where we'll be able to participate in his glory in all its fullness. Amen? And it is in this new creation now of becoming more like Christ that we find, and listen to this, Christ-likeness outward actions and attributes that reflect the glory of God to everyone around us. Yes, praise God that in his mercy he made a way through Christ. And in our surrender to him, we can be filled with his light and righteousness. A way for us to be transformed into his image. Living a new life of obedience to him. That reflects his light in in this dark world. And this is done through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that brings our fourth point. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Our Lord is God. Our Lord is Christ. Our Lord is the Spirit. Our God is three in one. Under the new covenant, the Spirit of the living God is experienced in us through Christ. We are now able to be in direct contact with God's revelation in Christ through the Spirit. The new covenant is here. And it's witnessed by a new life of freedom that can be lifted out in our community. But this freedom does not refer to one's ability to do whatever one pleases. Mm -mm. Here it refers from freedom from hardened hearts. Freedom from the barrier that separated people from the presence of God. We are now set free from our old selves in Christ. Free of sin by the blood of Jesus. It is freedom to live a new life that is empowered by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. It is freedom to live according to the law of Christ. Freedom to love God, to love others. It is freedom to be in relationship with God. Freedom for obedience and service. Galatians 5.13 read, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And the life that is lived in this freedom becomes the true evidence of the presence of God. It reflects God's self-giving love in Christ in and through our lives. Romans five five says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. When God's Spirit is having His way in us, we start to live according to His standard, according to God's loving nature found in Christ. And it is in this Christ likeness that we find the values and attributes that control the practices of our new freedom to believe it out and reflect it in the world. So, what does it mean for us today? In fact, it means the same things as Paul intended to the church of Corinth. Nothing has changed. We must turn to the Lord. We must constantly turn to Christ in full conversion, with full surrender of ourselves. And it is in this turning to the Lord that we are able to see the glory of God in the face of Christ and be transformed into the same image by the Spirit of God. In Jesus, we are made a new creation. We can now have a new life that reflects his image, his divine nature, his love. A new life that reflects the one who is in us. The one who is the image of God. A life characterized by the way Jesus lived. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20 And it is through this new life that we find ourselves modeling to our children, modeling to our brothers and sisters, and modeling to everyone in the most excellent way, through the love of God who is in us. So it is my prayer to all mothers, daughters, sons, For everyone to indeed surrender yourself to Christ. To be one with our Lord and Savior as to reflect His image. To reflect His love, His character and to reflect His glory into the world. So the question I leave with you tonight is, will you turn to the Lord? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you Lord for your love. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and for what he has done for us in the cross. And thank you that you are with us. Lord, we want to turn towards you every day of our lives. We want to turn to you in full surrender. We want to see your glory on the face of Christ and be transformed by your Spirit from glory to glory into your image. Help us, Lord, to find your freedom to live our lives in unity and love reflecting your image to the world and glorifying you by our lives in the name of Jesus we pray amen we hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church if you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329177 thanks for joining us we look forward to your company again soon god bless